Hi, I'm Lawrence Pilar-Elfant, and you're listening to Motivation Muscle Radio 24-7 with host Eric Shirillo. What do you want? The information presented in this podcast is not intended for the treatment or prevention of disease or any medical condition, nor is a substitute for medical advice. The information contained here in this podcast reflects only the opinion of the author and presenter and is in no way considered required practice. Welcome to Motivation and Muscle, the podcast that connects your brain to your brawn. Hi, this is Eric Fiorello, and I want to welcome you to Motivation and Muscle, streaming radio 24-7. Today is the 19th of July, 2019. Um, Before we get started with everything, there's something that I've been talking about here, I don't know, maybe for about a a week now. Our good friend Dale Dugas, who was on recently, and the show Obsession has just broken every record I've ever done with Dale. Well, right now... If you mention the code MMJOW, you'll get 20% off all of Dr. Dale Dugas' products that he makes. Now, all you have to do is go out to DaleDugas.com slash shop. But make sure you put in MMJOW and you will get 20% off everything. And check that show out if you haven't. It was absolutely incredible. We just did a show with Roger LaPointe. As you know, he was my first guest ever here on M&M. It was called Solve It. It was an incredible show. Once again, another show that was designed to when you got your back against the wall, you've got to do something about it. So it's called Solve It with Roger LaPointe. And then, obviously, we did a show the other day with Dr. Ariane Missimer, and she was absolutely incredible. As I said, if you want to listen to something that will really inspire you, listen to what happened in her life, which has got her to the point where she is today. She's an incredible woman. I can't say enough good things about her. Go out and check that out. It's called Welcome to the Family because it was the first time she was on. She will be on in August. And then today, we had the man, the king. We had Dr. William Wong on. The show should be up Sunday morning. It was called Attitude, and I'm telling you, you got attitude from the both of us today. If you have, When you go and listen to that, I would tell you, if you haven't heard, there's more to it. was the previous show I did with Dr. Wong. It was the biggest show that I've ever done with Dr. Wong, and we've done some huge shows. Speaking of big shows, um, we got our pal Charlie Blair Oliphant on, and I'm going to bring him in momentarily, but we've got to do a, t- a few things. Number one, stand up, take a deep breath through your nose, out through your mouth, and repeat after me. I am a winner. I am a champion. I am unstoppable. Jason Gillen, our good friend who built this massive cement dumbbell, that's what he said before he did a bent row with it. And, I mean, that's what I was saying to Charlie and so many other people. When you have established athletes like this, weightlifters, physical culturists, and they listen to the show and they say things that are said on the show, I can't tell you how happy I am about that, that we are making inroads everywhere. And if you saw the picture, look, you know how great Lawrence is, Charlie's son. 
I mean, we know that he's an incredible, well, obviously a kid. He's been on here with Charlie, with fathers and sons. But you go out and see what this young man is doing, what he's establishing within mentally. And the thing is, as I said to Charlie, he's talked and met to more met more strong men than I've had on the show. And I think it's great. I think it's great that he's in an environment like that, that he is learning without even knowing what he's learning. In the same way with my nephew Danny and Maggie and all my nieces. You know, I put up a picture, uh, Danny pulled a 90-pound dumbbell. It's huge, all right? And, you know, I had some people who were kind of concerned. Look, you saw his father in the mirror. Dan is not going to let his boy get hurt, and I appreciate the concern. But these are special young men and women. And, you know, he's coming over. I was telling Charlie, you talk about a great thing. Uh, I was very touched by it. You know, uh, the family had gone to uh, the Cape, and Dan and Danny were walking on the beach. And, you know, I've told everyone how they call me Uncle H. Everybody does. What do you want to get Uncle H? Well, Danny goes and picks the biggest stone at the time. He goes, I want to bring him this stone. It's probably 45 pounds, kind of long. And Dan said, you know, they're in bare feet, obviously, in their bathing suits. He walked it 100 feet before he said, Dad, I don't want to drop this on my foot. And Dan grabbed it. So it's over here now. It's painted black already. And Danny's coming over and putting a D on it in in bright red because it's going to be called the D stone in his honor. And he'll put his initials and the date on it. And these things are so damn important to me. I don't care if he's my nephew. I don't care if it, you know, it can be Lawrence. It could be anybody. Any kid, that's what I'm here and everybody else is here for. We want to help you out. We want to improve your lives for you. And there's only one way to truly get it started. You need to learn physical culture. That's it, period. I don't care what all the new things are out there. This, jump that, do this, do that. Let me tell you something. You can see from Lawrence, you can see from my nieces and nephews, Danny and Maggie, for instance. And there's been other people who brought their kids in. When they touch something like a stone or a weight, watch their face, watch their mannerisms. They might not know everything that's going on, but see, it's something that we are primaled for. We were made to lift things, and I'm going to keep pushing this right to the limit. Look at Jason Gillen's sons, too. It's incredible. I love seeing stuff like that on Etched in Stone. Etched in Stone for kids. It is so motivating to see that. So check all that out. So like I said, be on the lookout for Dr. Wong and attitude with myself. But before, um, well, I've got to finish some other things, obviously. Go out to uh, FiorelloBarbellCo.com, winners and champions. That is our biggest product to date. Go out, download it, send some money here to Motivation and FBC. We would like to keep investing with me outside working, too. There's a lot going on. and We keep the wheel turning. Also, too, uh, our Prosperity Conscious page on FiorelloBarbellCo.com. $25, $50, investment in both companies. And I'm telling you right now, it goes right to my checking account, and it goes right into the business. And I'm telling you, I've said this, and people are probably tired of hearing it, but let me tell you, I don't charge subscription and i don't charge anything else we want you to come in and uh invest and buy my one product Uh, that's not a lot to ask and you know we give 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 we need to get back that's how the law works and we'd really appreciate anything in advance that you would send us also too, go out to motivationmuscle.com slash category slash podcast look at all the shows charlie and i have done many more on the way 
Also, to sign up for our free newsletter on MotivationMuscle.com. Let me tell you, um, I put out tons of content. It'll be right in your inbox, and away you go. Also, another big investment, buy advertising here. We're going after a lot of people. It's $250 a month to start, and obviously there's uh, deals for three months, for six months. It's a great rate to get in here, and I will sell your product. There's nobody that's never come on here that I didn't sell their product for. Let's go together for 30 years. We'll work together and build a relationship. Um, you know, We'll help you make money, and in, in return you can help me where I can keep sinking money in both businesses at a high rate. Um, our YouTube channel, Fiorello Barbell Company, Real Men, Real Strength, Real Power. That was one of the three we were talking about with Attitude with Dr. Wong, and it was just everything just flowed, and, and bang, bang, bang. What a show. Well, we're going to have another big show tonight. we got our pal Charlie Oliphant coming in here. I'm going to give you some information on this gentleman. Number one. He's Scotland's representative for the International Highland Games Federation, Stones of Strength, Stone Lifter, Farmer, Highland Games competitor, and we all know, and we're going to talk about this tonight because I thought it was very pertinent to what's going on with the gathering. I, I believe that's the first weekend in August. If I'm wrong, Charlie can connect, uh, correct me on that. But we're going to talk about the Ard Blair Stones, and I want to talk about the origins of the Stones. Why? Why are we where we are? And it's going to be very, very good, I guarantee you. A lot of good, good material. Charlie, it's always an honor to have you back, brother. Welcome to the show. My, you know, it's always good to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Eric. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite interested because if you're going to talk about the Arbless Stones, it's a subject yeah. which I'm uh, – you know, fairly familiar with, so I, 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 I can relax and pretty, I'm pretty confident I can. Uh, I can oh, you, you don't, you want, you don't want, to, you don't want to start yelling at each other like me and Dr. <laughs> Wong do. We're all fired out. Um, but here's what I want you to do: give out obviously any of the addresses to the Ard Blair Stones and anything else, Facebook, and we'll get started on the Ard Blair Stones, my friend. Okay, thanks, Eric. Um, yes, sir. Well. The, uh, I have a Facebook page, which is called The Ard Blair Stones, which is very simple to find. And I have an Instagram uh, account, I think you'd call it, which is, again, The Ard Blair Stones. And, and a YouTube channel, also called The Ard Blair Stones. So uh, it's, it's quite easy to find, really. I think probably a, tapping that into, into Google would, would probably just about give you the information that you would, you would require. And I've got the events. Uh, if you're looking for upcoming events. Now, Eric, you did ask about the date for the gathering, and you're right. Yes. It is the first week of August. Yep. It's, uh, it's the uh, the fourth of August, Sunday, the fourth of August, and um, yeah. So you, you'll find an events page on Facebook, and by all means, trawl through that. And if you happen to be in Scotland or living in Scotland already, and you want to go to one of the events, that's the best place to to find the date. I would suggest. Hey Charlie, before we start, I think you might have said it on one show, but uh, it doesn't hurt to be repeated. Um, that's a big chore. Uh, we know there's barrels, and we know we've got Atlas Stones coming coming all the way down. I think they're 335. If I'm wrong, you correct me there. All right, it's a big it's a big thing to do. How do you what do you do the night before? Do you have people come over, load everything? What are you loading it into? And obviously, for the gathering, you've got to be there. I'm sure fairly early. So. I want to just start out with that because I want people to kind of get a picture of what's going on, and then we're going to get right into everything else, if you would, please. Certainly. Well, the actual 
setting up that after every event there's usually a certain amount of damage which is unavoidable which happens to the equipment um i have i'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a sponsor which is great um and so but part of the thing of having a sponsor well, I suppose I should mention uh, Castle Water. They, they, yeah, it's, mention they're, they're not, Yeah, thanks, thanks, Eric. Uh, they, they uh, uh, they're based in the UK, and they are. Um, I'll, I'll quickly say what they are. They, they it, the water was privatised in in the United Kingdom. I, I don't know how it works in in, in the United States. Okay, it was privatised. So uh, they they specialise in like business water retail uh, providers, and it's quite specialist. So things like farmers and businesses and things can nice. potentially benefit from that. I'm not. And I'm not just saying that as a sales plug. No, uh, no, we, I, it's we, all right. Go ahead. Keep going. The, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel conscience-stricken about no. saying how great they are. That's all right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, you know, uh, because they, they, are, they are good. Anyway, so, yeah, so the nature of the, the setting up and everything means that there's a certain amount of sort of things that the sponsors would now expect. Mm-hmm. They obviously want it to look good. So rather than just being kind of like casual how it was before, and it was never slapdash by any means, but right. I have to I have to – you know, it has to be well presented. Yep. So um, things that get damaged, like the barrel lids, because uh, depending on like some techniques, some people like to kind of like pop the stone off the chest, you know, and sort of yep. launch it that way. And uh, yeah, I, I basically have to get the wood filler out and <laughs> and patch things up, or like like the the, the uh, sponsors' transfers can get sort of chewed up on the mats, and I've got to replace that. Yep. Uh, and it basically consists of two two vehicles towing a trailer each, and I've got the stones in one trailer, and I've got the barrels, and I've got things like tables for the admin, and I've got scoreboards, and I've got signs up, and um, I've got gazebos that I put up, and Jeez. there's pegs for the yep. weight, and there's bunting that goes around the outside of the event, and obviously I've got posts that I need to hammer in as well to kind of get a secure area. The mats are really heavy. Mm-hmm. And and I've got a, I've got two fairly heavy mats. I've got nine nine large barrels, obviously nine lids which which go with those barrels, uh, and I've got like pegs with all the weights on it. It's a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of setting up. And uh, ideally, it's quite nice to get there the night before if, if that's if that's feasible. Um, but I have a team that helped me out, and uh, uh, Liam, who I think he's right. been on the Liam, show. Yep. And, yep. Um, Is Mark Share still involved with you? No, Mark, not so much. No. He, has, okay. he hasn't been at the last few events. Um, the, uh, there's a guy called Paul Adams, who I don't think you've... No. He, he's been helping me for a while now as well. Okay. And, and, and his, uh, his, his long-term girlfriend, a lady called Catherine, and they're, they're both great. Uh, so, yeah, there is a team that I get together, and we, we see what needs repaired, so it looks good and everything. And then, obviously, there's the whole setting-up process, which can take at least an hour or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is quite labor-intensive. Um, so another thing, like because it's because it's got a little, little bit more serious now as well. That if if I'm going to be setting up somewhere, and I noticed this from my last event I was at, that if there's like piped music and stuff playing in the vicinity of the stones, I've got to be really careful because any film footage or anything, right, you've got to pick you, that you know up. yourself, yeah. yeah. And I have to be really careful about that. So that's something that I have to be more aware of. So as as actually as things have progressed and and, and as time. It's kind of moved on. There's little nuances and subtleties which yeah. weren't really an issue before, but because it's getting a little bit more professional, if yeah. you like, yeah. Yeah. I'm having to consider all these these things. And, and obviously, um, I need a, a lot of space because nine barrels in a row and all the mats. I mean, it's about 
I think we asked about a twenty meter frontage and yeah. uh, about five. So it's, it's it's you know it's a big it's a big space. So it's it's but, it's but at the same token, it's quite impactful when you see it. If you go to one of these shows and you see it all set up, it's then it, I mean yeah. yeah, it looks it looks really good. Although yeah. I say say it myself. Well, I'll um, tell you, and you and I both know a visual can really change the outlook of how you're training too. You know, we know that. You know, say you're walking up and you see this, this, and this, it might just influence you that much more to become that much better. On Obviously, when you have all these different lifters there and you're watching them do it before you're up or whatever, I mean, you know, I, I just think that the, the presentation, like you're talking about, is very, very important. Um, especially as a guy that loves to lift stuff, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, but when you walk up and see something professional like that and, you know, you want to get into this, I, I, I think it's a very good thing. It signals that the people that are involved obviously know what they're doing. I, I mean, I just look at things a lot different now, Charlie, you know, that, you know, um, you, you, you're going to these events to do something big. So you obviously we want safety as much as we can. And we want good quality stuff. And obviously, you bear the fruit of all that. So, yeah, definitely. I think it's a great thing. Um, once you're set up and everything, now, what time are the – when are the Ard Blairs um, basically time – you can come in and lift them? Is there a certain time that starts? Does there, is there other events that have to go first? How does that all work for your end? Well, we just – if you look at the events on the Facebook page, some of them start at – like for instance, the I'm looking at the the gathering one that starts at 12 p.m. So that's okay. actually quite late. Yep. yep. And uh, some of the other ones are at 10 a.m., possibly 9 a.m. So it, it does vary. Um, so uh, yeah, it, there's there's no hard and fast time. But having said that, obviously if we were set up beforehand, mm-hmm. somebody came along wanting a shot, obviously we'd be delighted to let them go through. Sure. Uh, so it's once we once we kind of set up, it's it's pretty much runs till about. Half past four, because oh, okay. usually these yeah. these things normally. So it's actually quite a long day, even if you do start at twelve. It's yeah. uh, it's it's quite a long time. We we stop at half four, and then there's there's usually a well, there's always a prize giving after that, and uh, so that that normally takes a little bit of time because it might there's there's, there's usually an excess of a hundred attempts or something. So we need wow. to kind of work out yep. who where everybody's positioned, obviously for these trophies, and there's. There's tr- five trophies for the men and there's three trophies for the women, awesome. uh, and it's not and it's not because I'm being sexist or anything. It's just that when I first started out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't realize actually how popular it was going to be with women. I think women are some of the most competitive people I've actually seen doing the stones. Yep. So I had to so I created another category for them because before I had five trophies and that was just the top five people, whether they be men or women. Men or women, yeah. Um, but but then I thought, wow, this is re- this this the, this is really popular. So I created three trophies for the women. So there's there's eight trophies altogether, so nice. there's, there's, a, there's a high chance of, of winning something. Well, let me ask you this, too. Um, what, what, I mean, here it's hot and humid. What, what are we talking weather-wise in Scotland right now for the, the event? What, do you have any idea? Hot, cold, in between? What, what's it look like? Yeah, it's, it's pretty hot. It's humid. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's sultry. You know? It's yep. uh, the last event we were at, which is at Kirimuir, which was last week, and it was it was pretty wet. It was sort of changeable. It was it was bad rain, yeah. and then it was it 
it was hot. You know, yep. the, 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 it was quite extraordinary because the stones are sitting on rubber mats, and um, they, uh, they they seem to dry out really quickly. I don't yeah. know what it is about rubber matting and stones, but yeah. they, they they can look absolutely sort of really sort of dark and soaking and absorb. And, uh, and then, yeah. yeah, and then but then shortly after that, with a little bit of sun, it doesn't actually take much for it all to um, evaporate. And it's yeah. probably just because of this this sort of these extremes. But it's never been cold. I think it's rather like you at the moment. It is kind oh. of hot and hot. sticky. Yeah, and hot, then, hot. And, and if and if and if it does rain. Then we've got we've got these like space material waterproof jackets which have been uh, which have been provided with by the sponsors which is which is a great thing. Yeah. But then if if you wear these coats you get really hot and sweaty in this weather so you're almost about <laughs> you're almost about as wet as you are. Get rained on right. Yeah. One of those are getting rained on so yeah. it's um yeah but it, but it's you know it can be worse it's I, 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 you can work with it and a lot sure. of the stone lifters like to they like to do it like the top guys like to do. Uh, Topless anyway, because there's just more grip, and I just think they, they find it easier. And um, yeah, so it, yeah, it's uh, yeah, the weather's yeah, it's yeah. kind of the same as what you've got at the moment. Um, before we get into some of the origins, of this uh, I don't want to forget this. Um, if you can say it, uh, any rumors of any names you're hearing that are coming your way? Uh, what the the, the well, maybe the some maybe some names we're familiar with here. Maybe been on the show well, before, or anything like that. Anybody that that you've heard uh, that might be popping up. Uh, well, the, the the last event at the Kerry Muir show, which is again we all referred to, that was the one with the changeable weather. Yep. yep. Uh, we had um, a, a guy, Tom Stoltman, who was taking part, and yep. Tom is he's current he's Scotland's strongest man at the moment, and Tom came along with his brother Luke. Yep. And Luke has won Scotland's strongest man five times in a row. Yep. So they're both. So probably, I mean, I think I think that together the Stoltman brothers are probably the strongest brothers in the world, and they're they're regulars at um, Giants live events, and nice. they were competing in uh, World's Strongest Man this year in the final. Boss. So you know, so they're yeah, they're a pretty high caliber of athlete. But I always try and be careful not to. I don't want to introduce elitism. I mean, it's great that they came along; it's fantastic. And, and yeah. Tom, he, he got a world record. But I, I do try and treat everybody the same because sure. Sure. Um, I, I want to try and avoid elitism. I want to try and get uh, the same token. I want to get on with everybody as well. But yeah. I don't want people to, to think that uh, people are getting preferential treatment or no, anything I all in it together. Great. Yeah, yeah. Same. I think that's a good thing. Well, let's talk about how did the Ard Blair Stones come and, you know, wh- when they started really evolving. So tell us everybody, tell everybody out there how this came to fruition. What was the idea? What was the thought? And we'll just go from there, Charlie. Well, it's, it's interesting because I think, like in some of the previous podcasts, which we've done many, I've kind of alluded to some of this stuff already. But it's quite, yeah. it's quite nice to talk about it like this because we are talking about about the stones, yeah. so it's it's obviously quite poignant. Um, the I, I think probably from from a young age watching World's Strongest Man and just watching you know be mesmerised probably around the 1980s and seeing Manfred Herbel and mm-hmm. Magnus Ver Magnuson and John Paul Sigmundson and all these people, and uh, you know the, the the Atlas Stones always seemed to be the last event. It always seemed to be the the, the event which was the ultimate winner, and you know it, I don't know about you, but we used to watch it around Christmas time Me because that's too. when it was yep. shown yep. New Year. Yeah. So it was a great time of year, and it was holiday. 
days, you know, the parents were around and it was just a like, great environment. It was kind of cold and wintry outside. You're sort of watching, you may be in front of an open fire, watching the TV, watching, watching the final. And I think I was just kind of captivated. The, the stones just seemed so raw and mm. basic and primeval and, yeah. and visually, you know, a, a, a great, a great uh, thing to watch. And so I guess that must have just sort of sown a seed in my head. And uh, then I kind of became more aware of um, – well, I, I got uh, of Stones and Strength, obviously, which uh, by Steve Jack and sure. um, Peter, Peter Martin. Yep. So I had that, and that kind of that kind of captured my imagination a bit. And uh, so obviously I was looking at the historic stones, and then obviously the McGlashan stones were in there as well. Yep. And I, th- I thought that it would be – well, it, it was. I never really set out to, to create a competition or to uh, to have an event as such. I just basically wanted to, to have the experience of, of, of making these things and training with them myself. Just you know, you could, you could take your frustrations out on them, or sure. you know, you, you could uh, you know I would sort of experiment with them. And it's quite nice training with something that you've actually physically made, which is yep. quite cool. Well, you'll yep. know that yourself because you obviously you've made. I think you've made some of your own equipment yep. uh, or improvised it and done stuff to it. Um, so, yeah. Then it was. Uh, I had these these things. I had different sizes of these stones lying around, and uh, my father thought it might be quite a good thing to have as an event at the Highland Games nice. because because our, our family is very much involved in our, our local Highland Games. So it seemed to meet with approval with the, with the Highland Games committee. They were quite looking forward to it. So then I. I devised this this whole kind of setup and concept with the with the barrels, which they're actually quite high. They're 132 yeah. centimeters or 52 inches. Yep. So, which I think is slightly unusual. Um, I don't think they're commonly available in the states. Those barrels. I doubt it. I mean, I think you, you possibly can get them, but they they are they are quite high. The ones I use, so they've got they're visually it's quite a good impact, and they're about yeah. I mean, if if you if you're taller, you've got an advantage. So, so, I, so I, I sourced the barrels, I um, sourced the matting, and uh, just kind of slowly put everything together. And there was no gazebos in those days, you know, there was nothing. It was really basic. There was just yep. some pegs weights in, a few rough mats. Um, but as it's evolved, obviously, it's got a little bit more, um, a bit more full on. But so I did. So I did these events. I did the Highland Games. It was it was it was very successful. I didn't really know what to expect, and it was really popular, and uh, people were raving about it. And, and Jill, uh, my wife, and I, she was timing, and I was doing the stones, and we were just really t- taken aback by just how popular it was. Yeah. So then, so then other people got interested. And there was a, a rugby and ale festival that asked if we would go to it. So we went to that, and then. Um, that, that, well, the, there was the Aylith show, which was another one, and it's just kind of grown and grown. And I've, I've had, I, I mean, next year if I wanted to, I could do like five new events on top of the ones that I'm already doing this time round. So wow. they're, they're in they're in quite a lot. Of, they're in quite big demand, which is great. But but what what is interesting about the stones as well is that when we started off, it was just like an event here, an event yeah. there, yeah. And and um, it wasn't all straightforward in the early days either, because I, I knew what the potential was of this, and I was trying to sort of make people aware of it but they just didn't get it some of them they just did not get it yep. um you get people in committees and things and they're just kind of stuck in their ways and they don't see the, the sort of the originality in it and um 
but but when, when it's actually on and they see it, they, they, they kind of they understand it. They, they kind of realise how yeah. popular it is. So um, I do get a message quite a lot to to ask if I can go to the events. And but but, yeah, but what I was going to say before that, Eric, was that so it was one thing having these events, various Highland Games and agricultural shows and things like that. Um, but Francis Brebner, obviously, who's another guest who's been yep. on the show, yep. he he got in contact about. Um, about women competing in the Blegari and Rattree Highland Games, my local Highland Games. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, there was no women competing in it. And he, he asked me, uh, well, I said to him, but I've got the stones, uh, you know, I've got the stones at the event. So obviously that's open to anyone. So women can take part in that if they want. It's, it's free to everybody. I'll be delighted, you know, if, if some ladies want to come over from America and lift some stones or something, uh, that's great. And so then when we were chatting, it was on Skype, like, like you and I are chatting now. Um, he he obviously has this IHGF, this International Highland Games right. Federation Stones right. of Strength competition, and there's a there's a World Championships in uh, in in FIFA in Norway, and they're they're in August, and we, we got chatting, and it and it because I've got had these events going on th- through Scotland. I mean, from from Glasgow in the south, uh, I think it was up to yeah, probably the gathering at that point was the furthest uh, place north in Aberdeenshire. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seemed like an excellent way to try and find the, the cream of the crop in Scotland sure. because yeah. these things were touring around Scotland anyway, and it, we could we could sort of have treat it as a qualifier for this for this final. So in addition to just having the stones now at the Blegarian Rattray Highland Games open to everybody, which the, which they still are, they also form part of this 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 national Scottish national final. So that kind of put another edge to the the stones it kind of it meant that there was theoretically if you did well enough and you won that event then you would be representing scotland all expenses paid you know staying in this wonderful hotel right uh in in norway and and with the top women as well so um so yeah it, it kind of the things kind of evolved it's, it's actually become uh sort of internationally recognized now as well and uh i think i said in my last podcast that most of uh most of the people Blue likes you're actually in the states, and yeah, yeah. I posted a lot of t-shirts to the states as well, just because yeah. we've seen they've seen lots of film footage and pictures of, of, of people wearing these, these t-shirts, and um, they're obviously quite taken with it. Yeah, and I think, I think that's, that's the longest great. I've ever talked in one go, Eric. I think that is the longest monologue that's I've right. ever <laughs> I have well, ever had. Well, that's what we're talking about. Um, well, tell everyone two things. What what are the weights of the stones? I mean, um, how many are there? What are the weights? And I want to know where the name Ard Blair came from. So take your time and take it away, brother. Okay. Well, there's there's nine stones altogether. And uh, I, you guys operate in pounds. So the first stone is actually, I mean, it's open to it's open to women, kids, men, assisted athletes. So really anybody can anybody, have a go. Yeah. And, and so, so the first few are very easy and it's just people can say they've lifted them and they get a buzz out of it and so but obviously at the end they are they are significantly tougher and remember there's there's no there's no tacky used on them at all i mean people mm-hmm. can use chalk if they want they can wear a belt if they want mm-hmm. uh, but uh, strictly no tacky so i'll run through the weights for you sure. so the first, the first one is uh it's only 40 pounds yep 
And uh, as, as you know, if, if a kid's struggling, because it's the height is very much the issue right, with right. these barrels. So we might put, like, as you know, a chalk mark or something, depending on how high a kid's got the first stone. I think the next one, Yeah. And then 71 pounds is the next one. Yep. Then 90 pounds. Yep. Then 110 pounds. And 165 pounds. Then 236 pounds. Mm-hmm. 260 pounds. 298 pounds. And 335 pounds. Nice. And obviously, yeah. So it's it's a good it's a good range. It's a good jump, yeah. Good. Yeah, um, and yeah, three hundred and thirty-five pounds or one hundred and fifty-two kilogram. If you're yep. listening in Europe, um, a tackiless lift, and they're quite they're relatively smooth. Is you know, it's no mean feat. They're they're a good challenge, especially at that height. You know, getting yeah. Not, not only that, we time. know we know how smooth they are, and you know, as you and I have talked about many times about hands, wrists, forearms, biceps. Mm-hmm. You better have some uh, better have some power between those fingers and the top of those shoulders. Let me tell you. You know, we know where the other power comes from. But um, I can't say enough about being able to squeeze things. How important it is. But okay, so we got the poundage. Where so did, I, I know where it did, but where did Ard, Ard Blair originate, and why was that name chosen for these stones, Charlie? Well, I, I live I live in a place called Ard Blair Castle. Which is um, on an estate called Ard Blair, and it just seemed appropriate. I mean, the, the Highland, the, the Blairgarian Rattray Highland Games that I was I was talking about before is held on Ard Blair Estate. So there's Ard Blairs. In fact, I live in, I live near Blair Gowry, and my name's Blair. Oliver. There's a lot of Blairs. Yeah, a lot of Blairs. <laughs> there's a lot of Blair yeah. association. Yep. Yep. So it seemed like the obvious thing. I mean, I do. I mean, I do get occasionally people on a post will say, "Why, why do you call them the Ard Blair Stones?" And I said, "Well." I had to call them something because if I'm taking them to an event or something, yeah. or I want to talk about them in in a, in a games program or online, then I, I need a name to, to tie them with, uh, so people know what they are and they know that the Ardbler stones are nine stones. They know what the weights are. It's it's uh, you know they're, they're identifiable by, by the name. So yeah, that, that's that's where I came up with it, Eric. Um, and, is uh, there, does Ard Blair have? Is there a definition to Ard Blair? Is that? I mean, I know that's your home, your estate. Yeah. But is there a meaning to Ard Blair? Yeah, there is. Um, okay. Like the, the cast, the where I live, the ground it drops around on all sides. Now the water table was higher, you know, centuries yep. ago. Yep. But there was a sort of more of a natural fortification around where I live. Yep. Uh, it's, it's not quite so obvious now, but you can see where the ground drops off all around. And an ard was a promontory or, or somewhere that sticks out, some of that was yeah prominent in an area. And uh, Blair means a field. Okay. So uh, to ard Blair meant a sort of a, a, a sticky out bit, if you like, yeah. a prominent uh, area um, in, a, in, a, in a field. So that's, awesome. that's what it, and Blair Gowry, where I live, uh, yep. it's uh, obviously we've got Blair, which we've established as a field. Yep. And Gowry means goats, so Blair Gowry would literally mean a field of goats. Uh, <laughs> you gotta so, love that, right? Yeah. So that that's uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the. Um, well, I and I thought that I, I was like, I wonder if that just means something, you know, mystic or whatever. But it's cool, man, to. To know now, I mean, I never knew that, and you've been on here a number of times. I'm sure most of the people that listen or even have competed, probably very few know what that means. I think that's exceptional. Um, now let's get into a little bit, um, well, let's get into a little bit with the stone, so to speak. Um, 
obviously we know it goes from every range, age, um, uh, male, female, older, younger, whatever you want to say. But in your opinion, you've been around a while. You've done a lot of monster stones, especially the last few years. You, you know, you've done everything pretty much to a point. I'm sure there's more you want to do down the road. But in your in your mind, you've been around top lifters. You've been competing with them, et cetera, et cetera. Is there one ingredient you see in a real good stone lifter, or there are more? But name something that you see that sticks out in most of these men and women. Yeah, it's really interesting to say that, Eric, because that if somebody's walking up to do the stones, I, I can't tell how good they're going to be just from looking at them at all. I mean, okay. there's obviously things like you were saying, like squeezing the stone and the right. technique and everything and having a certain basic strength. But in terms of actually... One of the things I really enjoy about it is the unpredictable nature of how far people are going to go because you can yeah. never really tell. Yeah. You can get some enormous people that are sort of fairly muscle, muscle bound and sort of heavy looking and uh, they, they might really struggle. And then you get somebody who's kind of sinewy and wiry and maybe you, you don't have high expectations, but they just absolutely, uh, you know, they, they, they just incredible you know Uh, maybe they spent all life on a farm or something yeah Uh, you you really honestly with the stone lifting you really can't judge a book by its cover and that's interesting and 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 that's part of the it really keeps it exciting i think one of the biggest buzzes that i get is seeing somebody who may maybe you've already prejudged and you shouldn't do in your head and and you you obviously keep it to yourself and they just absolutely fly with it and um yeah, it's it's really rewarding, you know, and and a lot of the times they don't even realize how good they are. Right, they don't right. realize exactly. what their potential is, and yep. you think, well, yep. yeah, that's that's uh, that, that's something a bit special there, which could be really worked on and honed and fine tuned, and you know, it'd be something incredible coming from that. Well, you know what, Charlie, too is, um, you know, we've talked about this. I've had them over here. You get these guys that are big deadlifters. And they'll see, like I've had here, you know, one of the stones, the round atlas ones is 230. I mean, it's still big, man. It's no sissy stone. I've had some guys be able to lap it and start coming up, but they got to drop it. And other ones that, I'll be honest with you, they got it maybe, um, I don't know, up to their kneecaps. You know, had no technique or anything, put it right back down on the ground. You want to see fury in these people. Yeah. And I said, the thing is, you don't understand. It's a whole different lift from doing any type of pull. It's different. Well, if I'm if I'm deadlifting at over 700, I should be able to pull. You're looking at it totally wrong. The mechanics are different. The whole the the whole mental challenge is different. And you and I both know because I can remember when I started, man. I'd go to pull one of these things like a 180, or and I'm like. Holy God, this thing feels like it's just going to – it felt like it was tearing my mind right out of my head. Um, but once you – it's like anything. Repetition, 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 as Frank Klein says. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it's got to become. Obviously, if you're going after something like the Ard Blair Stones, the Dinny Stones, the Hosefell Stone, maybe a little bit more specific in your training, obviously you can contact somebody like Charlie that could give you the pointers or maybe tell you what to go and look at. Um, but it is not your typical barbell lift. Now, before anybody misconstrues this, you do need barbell lifting to accomplish that too. But you also have to become, uh, uh, as I say when I announce Charlie or Stevie, I mean, you have to become stone strong. Different thing. I mean, you look at some of the stuff 
Charlie lifts, Stevie lifts, and Stevie's not a big guy by any means, all right? You know, you look at this stuff. You have to have this dedication to both ends of the spectrum, and you got to know how to meld both ends of the spectrum so you can be the best at both ends. This is not something that you can just jump into and say, okay, it's going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen. It will happen when you put the time and the ingenuity into doing it, but that's a big thing. When you look with all, with you've been around so much stuff. You've gone and lifted. I know, like the nickel stones and all this stuff. And I asked you, you know, well, what do you see in people? Is there a common denominator? And we don't know. We've got big muscled people that struggle with them. They're out of gas. We've got more of a gangly person, stringy person, tall, short. That suddenly they grab a stone and it's like they're surprised because they moved it. But as you got, obviously, 17 was a magical year for you. We know you worked with Andrew Carney big time, but you had to put the work in. He can help you with the routine, et cetera, et cetera. It comes down to Charlie to get it done. What 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 are some of the factors you feel? Because I know we've talked about this, but is it the squat? Is it the pull? Is it the press? Is it the constant, you know, repetition of the stones? How how in your mind, Charlie, do you do you marry all these together to become successful in the stone lifting genre? Well, well, for me personally, it was a lot of trap bar work. I okay. mean, just lots and lots of trap bar and. When, when it was uh, Denny training, I was uh, I had handles, so I could I could pretty much replicate as near as possible the actual Denny lift at home. So that also gave me a huge advantage. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of, obviously it was like the main compound movements. Obviously squats, deadlifts. Sure, sure. You know, um, I mean, there wasn't there was a bit of bench pressing, but not 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 much. There was a bit of overhead pressing, and but it was it was mainly yeah, it was mainly the um, Trap bars and deadlifts. Mainly as in trap bars and deadlifting, you're saying? Yeah. 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 That's what I figured. Yeah. I, and I don't think – I love no, Interestingly, interestingly sorry to interrupt you, Eric. No, that's all right. But I, I did have to do quite a lot of – as part of Andy's training, yeah. a lot of uh, barbell uh, – um, dumbbell curls. And that yeah. was – the idea was to sort of toughen up the biceps. Yes. Yep. Uh, so that was – and that was, that was brutal, actually. I mean, yep. that was – like I was doing, I was doing a hundred reps. Uh, yep. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not talking about a hundred light ones. Just you know, sort of you know, doing like an, an aerobic or a, you know, this was like a, a decent weight, and I could take as long as I wanted on it, and I could break it up into as many sets as I wanted. But sure. as long as I'd done a hundred by the end of it, yep. so I did ten sets of ten, which yep. took a long time. Yep. But it it was apt. That was brutal. It really was. But um, yeah. Which you're right. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's, yeah, I, I was, that was just a little thing, obviously. Well, that, no, that because when you say – right, but when you say toughen the biceps up, that's one of the main things I like about the trap bar deadlift. I think it also toughens the hell out of your hands too. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it more than anything, having a torn bicep many years ago, most of the stuff I do with any type of pull will be a supination now. And I think it's still good for anybody that's never ripped the bicep. Um I also have a log bar that's not the t- – I've got the two different ones. I've got one that doesn't have, like, the big stove pipe around it, and then I've got the regular one with the big steel, you know, piping. Um, I use the other one for all my curling because it's all supination. I even use it for standing reverse curls. Um, that's just preference now, 
occasionally I use a, the Apollo to curl with, or I might use it sometimes to do isometric um, curls with it, where I'll be curling it up, say, halfway, have the other set of rods above me, and then obviously pull into those rods as hard as I can, and then put it back down. So I think the trap bar is marvelous. I mean, I've talked about how I'll do farmer's walks with it. And, you know, you stand in the middle of it, and away you go. I mm. love doing them like that. Um, but, yes, I think they're fully beneficial no matter what kind of stone lifting you're doing. People said to me, well, it's not going to help with your Husafel because it's more used for atlas stones. I totally disagree with them. Totally. Um, I also have an oversized trap bar, um, which was a gift from Sorenex a few years back. So I can do any type of of trap bar deadlift with isometric holds in the rack because the other one is not long enough to put in the rack. So um, beneficial, you bet your ass. Um, Result producing, absolutely. Um, We don't hear a lot about trap bars other than like Mark Haydock when he's been on here a number of times, Charlie, Stevie's talked about it. Um, But most people say to me they'll do the conventional deadlift. If it works for you, I think it's great. I just think that I remember Lee Holland Keene talking about using it extensively, too, from when she did the Denny's last year. Um, I think it's a very underrated piece of equipment. I don't know why, but, um, you know, as Mark said to me one time, well, you know, you could lift X, Y, Z with that, but you're not going to do it with a straight bar. I remember him saying, yeah, with a straight bar, my uh, my top lift dropped 10 pounds. That's not a hell of a lot, man, and what it preserves is that much better. Comment on any of that, Charlie. If not, we'll, we'll go to the next question. Yeah, um, yeah, I know that Mark's a, a, a keen aficionado of, of the um, trap bar and – uh, yeah, uh, just yeah, more or less reiterating what you're saying, Eric. It's a fantastic yeah. piece of equipment. It's yeah. kind of neutral. You know, if if you uh, there's probably more potential if you're inexperienced to get your the technique wrong on a conventional deadlift. Whereas I think probably a, a trap bar is more forgiving. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, let uh, me ask yeah. you this: if if Lawrence comes to you and says, "Hey, Dad, I want to use a trap bar," all right, and maybe he's ready now, maybe he's not. Would you be more inclined to start him out with a trap bar, or would you go with a conventional Olympic bar? Or a one-inch bar, short, you know, the standard bar. I mean, if, if there was, obviously, uh, he's uh, if he was doing a trap bar at the moment, his arms would be, like, <laughs> out to the side. Yeah, uh, it might be a little um, big for so, him, right? But, yeah. Whereas, uh, uh, in that instance, uh, a sort of conventional bar yeah. would yeah. probably be easier for him. But yeah. if there was such a thing that existed... Um, as a, as a, like a, a, a junior trap bar, then that sure. would be fantastic, you know. Hey, there but, you but, go, um, man. We just came up with an idea: <laughs> the junior trap bar. Hey, but, um, I don't, don't think they even exist, Eric. I, uh, I but, don't know uh, of any, Charlie. You just came up with a gold mine. We got to go find a fabricator right um, now. Come on, that's what. Can, um, hey, for anybody but, out there, junior trap bar, Charlie's idea. We came up with it on the show, so let's go. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Alan Hale, who has been another guest on your show, right, obviously right. from Killer Strength Scotland, he, he was really, he, he made Lawrence a fantastic dinny handles. I which, saw those. Yeah, and, and they're actually adjustable. Oh. So, 
<laughs> so they um, they should take the full Denny weight. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that Lawrence has just turned nine, so he's not, that's unlikely to happen, you know, uh, for for a while. But these these things, are, I just like works of art. So notwithstanding a um, a trap bar, Lawrence does have these wonderful. Um, and they've actually got his initials stamped in the bottom That's of them. Nice, the, 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 man. And, nice. and, he's, and, and Alan's been really great. He's, got, he's made many steel plates nice. to go with them. So, yeah, I mean, that, that'll have to be a, a JTB junior trap bar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> until That's somebody awesome. Produces it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's awesome. Um, as far as we've talked about the gathering, you know, uh, Martin, Jamie lifting the Inver, putting that demo on. Obviously, the Ard Blair Stones now has its place in history. And you and I talked about this a little off the air about, you know, we've seen some things happening in the Stone world that has not been all positive. Because, like anything, when it begins to grow, Sometimes you get a lot of people that are more novice that want to come and take an attempt at things that really don't um, have any basis yet for, you know, I would never discourage anybody, but if you're going to go after a Husafel stone or something like that, you damn well better be able to at least get it off the ground or not be able to move it at all and not drop it on something and chip it. Mm. Um, with the advent of all this happening now, Charlie, um, is it plus minus, or are we still uh, kind of searching? What do you think? Uh, oh, it's a really tricky one, Eric, because I, w- I would not want to discourage anybody from. Right. I, mean, I know myself that sort of magical thing of thinking, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna, you know, travel here or there, and sure. you know, smell the smells and see yep. the sights and, and all the rest of it, and hunt one of these stones down and lift it. And I really wouldn't want to discourage anybody, and uh, it's, it's exciting, you know. It's it's a good, it's yes. a healthy thing, and people. You know, okay. There's been some accidents um, sure. with some of the stones, but then I don't know. I mean, it, 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 people's health and safety is is the most paramount thing. I mean, I don't want, you don't want anybody getting injured or hurt Absolutely. or anything. And yeah. if somebody slips, and it could be perfectly legitimate, it could be it couldn't be somebody doing. I don't think anybody goes to lift the stone maliciously or, or no. Do I don't either. Damage. No. I think it's just a question that accidents happen. Yep. And and it's unfortunate. And uh, I think probably people just try need to sort of try and, uh, and uh, sort of control control these stones. And uh, you know, um, I, as I said, I don't want to put people off. And if they do have to drop them for whatever reason, or something twings or pings or something that doesn't feel right, drop it. I would say, you know. Yeah. And 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 it's the people that that make these stones interesting. I mean. <laughs> The stone is a stone. Okay, it might have a lot of history attached to it, you know, like the Fianna or it yep. might like, be an ancient, ancient testing stone. It's a wonderful thing. But if nobody had lifted that stone, it, it wouldn't. It would just be a stone. You know, yeah, it's the people exactly. that lifted them. It's the people that have made it interesting. It's the, the, all the people beforehand that have, that have done it. So the, the, the people are just as important, if not more so, than the actual stone. So... No, it's, it's a fine it's a fine balance and um I, I don't know it's a tricky subject and i certainly wouldn't want to get a reputation as being somebody who's um you know standing all high and mighty and laying out the law and you know acting like a dictator saying you should 
should do this or you shouldn't right. do that because it's a personal thing. And, and really, it's, it's, it's up to individuals. And I, I certainly wouldn't put myself on a pedestal and start laying down the law or making suggestions. Or, or you know, it's, it's just it's not, it's not it's nothing to do with me. Well, you know, the, thing, the thing is, too, Charlie, there's no way you're going to police these stones. Not unless you go to lift the dinnies, we know, which are locked up usually, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, look, as I said, with anything that starts to become popular, this is going to happen. Because, mm-hmm. you know, let's look at things. I mean... Yeah, stones have been around. There's been a lot of groups that have been lifting them together for years. There's a lot of camaraderie. But now it's like a lot of things. You know, we see things that were kind of, you know, underground, so to speak. And then suddenly they start bubbling up to the surface. I've seen this with a lot of events. And it'll do one or two things. You'll get a lot of people, and we'll see how far it goes. Or it'll be like a lot of things. People just kind of drift away from it. The ones that have been there always will always be there. See, the thing that I'm kind of mixed with this in some ways. You want to see the popularity grow because, let's face it, um, people really need to start taking charge of their health. Um, You know, we've talked about this. You don't have to go lift a 400-pound stone. You can go lift a 25-pound. You can go lift a 50-pound sandbag, et cetera, et cetera. And who knows what it's going to lead into. But my point is, I'm with you. I don't want to discourage people because this might be the one outlet that suddenly turns their life around. Because there's a lot of people right now, I feel, that are just kind of wandering aimlessly. And as we know, physical culture can spin your head around 360 real easy. And if you it touches that that primal cord in you, um, the future could be the best future you could ever envision. But it's like anything. You have to go in and get your feet wet, make your mistakes, meet a lot of people, do a lot of research. Hopefully you get very successful with it. And it bleeds into your personal life totally because, in my opinion, you can't really separate uh, your physical culture from anything else because it is a lifestyle. And that's where I am kind of right now with it. Um, I don't want to see things degraded or downgraded because there's other people that want it, at least as they say, we'll try. I hate that word, we'll try. We don't use that here. But on the other hand, too, you know, you never know. You could be witnessing the next big stone lifter or whatever it's going to be in the genre. So that's where it is for me right now. And I enjoy watching anybody do it because, you know what, that's what life's about. You go out and you go after something, and you know what, that's what I always loved about stone lifting. You lift it or you don't. There's not a lot of things out there. You can't make any, well, you can make excuses, but most people say, hey, wasn't ready for it. Didn't have it today. You know, whatever. The, you know, we talked about grip, forearms, all that. I got to go home and I got to work on this for a year. That's what really talks and speaks to a true champion. Take it away, brother. Yeah, I mean, it, it, people, <laughs> it's a long way to come from the States or something to, to try right. one of these stones and right. it not not manage it, you know. that um, They are a decent weight. So, yeah, I, I, sort of rather alluding to what you just said before about you know training certain parts of your body and techniques, I, I wouldn't like to th- people to just assume that they're a doddle and you know you can 
you yeah. can shift these things easily. I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely worth finding a stone or because you'll never you'll, uh, because we've discussed this ad nauseam. But at 100 kilograms on a bar is nothing like 100 kilograms on a stone. You, you really doubt. have to, yeah. Um, and yeah, it would be a shame to, to come over and sort of be disillusioned like that. And, well, uh, well, Charlie, I'll tell you one thing. I don't want to get embarrassed. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the whole thing. Well, I yeah. mean, who does? I mean, you work, you figure you're working your ass off and everything, and then you go over and you get like steamrolled. And I'm like, you know, and that's the thing, which was interesting. When I tore my bicep in Iceland, I never had a major injury. Knock on wood. And I'll tell you, um, that hurt me really bad. I mean, just the idea of I traveled all this way, got ready for this, felt like I could do any of it, and then to tear it and know that, you know, I could have it reattached there or whatever I want to do and, you know, have to go to the hospital, all that stuff. I still stuck it out, stayed with the team. You know, I wasn't going to turn my back on any of that. Um, but I'll tell you right now, you know, like we said, you come all the way over, um, you know, you want to do the best you can. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. I mean, something like what happened to me and it happens to people that can crush you the rest of your life because you get such doubt and indecision and you're afraid now. Okay. Am I going to tear the other arm? There's so many things that go through your mind and I guess I'll leave you with the answer with that. And I want to ask you one last thing. Um, as far as mindfulness goes, I mean, we, you and I have talked about this, but we can never talk about this enough. Obviously, getting ready, we're, we're going to lift the yard blares, or we're going to do the dinnies, or we're going to do everything if we qualify, whatever. How important do you think, as an established lifter of many different things, mindset totally? You know, obviously you said, well, you don't know if people are going to lift them or not. But once they get one or two or three stones, you might have a little idea of how this person is going to perform. Do you see things, I mean, mentally, let's just talk from your end. What do you, what did you have mentally, you felt, at that point in 17 when you basically you lifted the friggin' world, what what is well, it you? What, what was going on with you at that point? I, th- I think the difference was between trying to do something like oh, you don't like that word, right? And believing you could do it, and preparing for you could do it, and just it's it's a different mindset. Yeah. The mindset is like you're going to go to this thing. It's like if you see some see somebody at the R Blairs and they don't lift a stone, and they maybe have four or five attempts at it. But it's those attempts that are what counts because they're determined to do it and they just want to do it. You know, they're not, they're, they haven't packed it in after a fail. They just keep going because there's no time sure. limit on the art players. And I think it's something about, I don't know what it is, your body feels different. You walk to it yeah. and you find a strength or an energy. Yep. And I'm sure everybody's experienced this. And you just, you just tell yourself you're going to get this up there and lift it or whatever. Even if you have to pretend that you know you're rescuing somebody, or you're lifting a stone I off somebody, you. Yep. or you you know it, it, it's a, it's a life or death situation, and you honestly, in, in terms of your own physicality, kind of throw caution to the wind to an extent because the main thing is getting. I mean, I, I'm not advocating bad form or anything like that, but I can at least talk from my own experience that you're prepared to take whatever is thrown at you. The risk, if it, yeah, if, yep. yeah. If if it means you get that thing up there, yep, yep. Uh, even if it means like your forearms are. Bleeding at the inside, or whatever, you know, or whatever it is, you just you just have to work through it. 
uh, even if the, the the rain's beating down on you and it's slippy or the stone's going to is going to get you covered in mud you just have to commit to it and you just have to go through that it's just it's just a different mindset towards going up to something you know just sort of tentatively giving it a feel you have to kind of approach it with a controlled aggression and a, yeah. and a belief in yourself yeah yeah, yeah. you're going it's it's like we always talk here you'll hear like a blood curdling scream and it's it, it is you engaging with something that stopped not made the move that could hurt you permanently let alone kill you but yet you have the gumption inside to take it on because you have to you have to there's something whispering in your ear saying come get me come get me come get there's times i've told you i've woken up during the middle of the night dreaming about the husafel stone and it said come get me come get me come get me and it, it's crazy i wake I, I wake up i'm like i don't know where i am momentarily all right these things happen, and they happen in a way that, you know, you're set up inside. People don't realize the power they really have. And, you know, I've been talking about how I've been studying about the reptilian brain. How do I get to that point, man, where I'm so primal and so happy all the time and so willing to do whatever it takes at all times, at all points, that I get it done? And it's the same way. And I think what what you're presenting here, and I'll give it right back to you, is this. Sometimes things might not always make sense to what you're doing. And sometimes you just don't have the answers. And that happens to us with life. But the idea is, like you said, belief. When you walk up to that stone and you straddle that stone, suddenly everything you've done... Everything you've talked about is like sitting in the middle of your chest when you talked about energy. And when you put your arms around that stone and squeeze that stone, all of a sudden that energy just blows right out of you and you begin your quest to to loading as many as you can. That's what I think happens. That's what I think happens. That's the creation we have in all of us. And when you have things like Ard Blair stones or whatever you're doing, big squat, big trap bar deadlift, that energy finally, finally, finally finds its place. And it's sitting there and it's just waiting to go. It's up to you now to communicate with it and make it so. Take it away, Charlie. Yeah, and I think as humans we're designed like that. I agree. I think, I like, agree. The, like the endorphins and things which would are released as a result of a successful lift or even Absolutely. engaging in something physical and just the, the feeling shattered, you know, yep. even if it was a failed attempt. Yep. But you're, you're on a – it's a high for even trying. And I, and I genuinely feel that, as I say, we, as human beings, we are wired like that. And obviously um, things are different now. There's, uh, there's a lot more automated things. There's, there's yep. more people in desks. And I think in the past it was much more labor-intensive, which is probably – what we're more geared towards. I and I think that a lot of people have missed out and lost out on that experience, that, that rush, that endorphin, which is a good thing. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. It's good for your confidence. Yeah. But sadly, it's, um, it's a bit lacking these days. Totally. Uh, and, you know, when you think about endorphins, we're made of hormones, man. Adrenaline. How good does it feel when you're going to – think about you, – you read about the 108-pound woman. The car dropped, dropped, dropped on her husband, and she picked it up, and he got out from under it. All right? Think about that. That's adrenaline. 
those things are all pieces that we have in us. And Charlie's right on the money. You become sedentary. All you want to do is play games. Well, you know, you're not going to have a real long life. Now, they'll say, well, you know, you could easily dot, 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 dot. Well, you know something? I've said this before. At least if you go out on a high note of something you love to do, there is no harm in that at all. In fact, that is the way we should all believe and live, in my opinion. Go out on the high note. Because if you're going and suffering and hating and not, not wanting to do this, and this is no good. I heard a guy today. I had to deliver stuff to this big truck company. And unfortunately, I had to stand in the office and wait for him to sign this stuff. And I'll tell you right now, Charlie, I probably was in there for three minutes, and this guy didn't have a good thing to say about anybody in the three minutes. If it went on any longer, I would have went out the door and just waited out in the garage. Um, This is not the way to live, folks. And when you go after big things, Ard Blair, Stones, Husafels, anything, you you just want to build a better business for yourself. Okay? You want to get physical. Use your hands. Use your mind. You know, work them together. This is the way I believe we should be and return to be. There's nothing wrong with technology. Look, I'm in uh, New York, and I'm talking to Scotland right now. I love it. But I, as Charlie just attested to, he, I mean, he's a farmer, and he uses his hands, and, you know, he's a man's man. Um, but he uses the gadgets when he's got it, too. But, see, like myself, the gadgets aren't running us. See, that's where you get in trouble. And that's why I think what Charlie does and I do and Stevie, it is just so important, man. And it, it, it does things to people's lives that we might not even know. They walk away, you might never even see them again. But you did something for them that might take them to somewhere they've never been before. Charlie, you can comment on that. And I got one last question before we wind today's show up is this. If you had a crystal ball right now, where do you think the Ard Blair Stones are in five years? Wow. Well, at the rate they're going at the moment, that's that's a really good question. I I have I have high hopes. I'm quite I'm I'm quite optimistic that I think I think they're going to go. I have to be really careful because I don't want to jinx anything or shoot. No, you won't. No, but I mean, you know, but, you don't have to, um, go ahead. I'm, I'm I'm kind of a cautious person, um, but I, I I've got high expectations. I I I. You've really put me on the spot, Eric. I really like to do things just a little bit at a time and build up foundations. I got it. I got and, it. And, and then build up on that and build up on that. And I, I, I would, I'm loathe as much as I'm sure your readers would love me, to, your listeners would love me to come up with some bold statement. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really loath to come out with some, something okay. huge until okay. I've established those, those foundations. But I have got high hopes for the future and, um, it's all, it's all looking very strong and, um, Hopefully, if there is success, which there shouldn't be, that'll speak for itself. If uh, if you have me on another podcast, well, that, we that. already know. I mean, you've got success <laughs> with it. It's just going to be a matter of, like you said, small steps. Mm. That's all. Hey, look, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's if that is your approach, I think that's great. I mean, I I I just I see this stuff only getting bigger and bigger. Um. Who knows? I mean, maybe you're on, as much as I hate the channel, maybe you're on ESPN eventually. You never know. Um, this could this could snowball into so many things. That's why I always say about Eminem. Maybe you're on there and I'm, uh, I'm where you are and I'm doing your event. You know, that's what I'm saying. You never know what's going to happen right now. 
You never know. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is, as we always talk about here, you always put one foot forward. Keep marching. No matter what, no matter how many pot shots you're taking, no matter how many holes you fall in, no matter how many people tell you, well, I don't know if I'd do it that way or maybe it's going to work. None of that matters, folks. None of that matters. When you've got a product, a service, a brand, and you believe in it, by God, man, don't stop. Do not stop. Keep going. Keep going, keep going, and never take a no for an answer. Anything else, Charlie? Summarize anything, give out the info, I'll give mine and hang on the line. And I will tell you this, this was the best podcast we've ever done together. Oh, thanks, Eric. That's, that's, uh, yeah, do you know what? I've, I've actually, I, I was, I didn't want to say it, but I, I'm feeling quite good about this podcast. I feel quite good for it. There's been a lot of good info, although I say so myself. Yeah, um, it's, it's very been good. Do you have anybody who would like to? Uh, get in touch with me then there's obviously the Art Blairstone's Facebook page um, alternatively there's this myself obviously um, Charlie Blair Elephant I'm on Facebook and please check out YouTube channels or my Instagram uh, Instagram for video footage and loads of photos of, of people lifting <laughs> lifting stones yeah. Um, but, no, but uh, yeah but again Eric thank you very much for having me and uh, yeah, I enjoyed our chat and uh, I'm already looking forward to the next one Anytime, Charlie. You're always welcome here. You're a class act, and uh, we support what you do. Believe me, um, I think you're doing some great things. And uh, I look, I, I, I'll say five years from now, I do believe that it'll be national. Not to jinx you either. I think that it'll be that big. Um, it might end up having a, a ten of its own, in my opinion. It's that good, um, and it talks to one thing I've always felt that you have is it talks to generation, generational people and look at the age groups you can deal with. That's a big thing. It's very good to include people and people like that. And even when they're not sure, you're always going to get some that are going to step forward. That's a great thing. So I, I thank you for all the hard work you've done. And, yes, you're always appreciated here. Um, this is Motivation Muscle Streaming Radio 24-7. Um, first off, if there's a show you'd like Charlie and I to do, Fiorello Barbell at NICAP.R.com. Um, you can find us on iTunes. Um, uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. Uh, let's see. What else? are We're on AHA Directory, which is AHA. You can get us in your car 24-7. Uh, we're also on Stitcher. Um, also, too, don't forget, uh, if someone seeks you out in the gym or the concrete jungle, Never be afraid to give them five words to inspire. That's what we were talking. Everything tonight was inspiration. You learned history. You learned how to inspire. You learned a few things you can do to cultivate your training. There's an awful lot of information sitting in this podcast. And as I say, you should go back and listen to them at least 100 times. Because every time you're going to pick up something new, that's the most important thing. Uh, as my mom said when we were kids, never be afraid to say hello to someone or give them a smile for that day. You never know what people are going through. You just don't know anymore. It seems so, I don't know. I'm not even going to get into that. Dr. Wong and I got into that a lot today. It, it's um, people. A lot of people are living through a lot of mind tragedy of their own, too, and what they listen to. But we'll get into that another time. Also, too. Um, if you're going to lift it, bend it, break it, twist it, pull it, press it, squat it. If you're going to lift stones, turn them into dust. That's our mutual friend, Paul Thor. Uh, 
who loves the dust. And it is the dust. Also, too, um, the great Hoosa Steel Stone. The name of it is Domination in Blood Red. We dominate the path. We don't follow anyone. Dominate, obliterate, and dent everything in your path. No one ever clip our balls. And as Russell Fur says, when I listen to your shows, I swear there's testosterone dripping through my speakers. It's more like a tidal wave, high and wide, brother. Also, Frank Klein, my greatest business college professor. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Quitters never win. Winners never quit. My pop, be a leader, not a follower. Be a leader, not a follower. I would love to have him on with Charlie and Dr. Wong and some of these people. John Ridge, too. Oh, my God, man. You want to talk about insane shows. Holy God, they'd be so good. Um, Also, too, speaking of John Ridge, he was the greatest chiropractor I've ever gone and ever will go to. His anniversary, we lost him four years in August. He'd walk every patient to the door. I seen it standing room in his office. He'd walk everybody to the door. He was a gentleman. Open the door and say, keep smiling. Try that on your best or worst day or walk around and say it. I'm telling you right now, you will put a grin from ear to ear. John was one of the nicest people you'd ever meet, but let me tell you, you didn't want to twist his tail at all, boy. Um, I used to give him the business all the time. Just like Charlie said to me, did you fire Dr. Wong? I said, always. Dr. Wong is just a guy that is so great to work with. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it, you meet people that, I don't know, they're, they're just different. And he and Charlie and some of the others, just a lot of fun to deal with, man. A, a, lot, a good time. You know, you, you put out great information, but you know you're enjoying both ends of the uh, phone. Um, also, too, be a steward of strength. Don't stand on the side of the road and watch the world go by. Tell 100 or more of your friends are coming because we won't kick your door in. We will blow the roof off your house. Join the family. Stick with us for the next 30 years. We need you. You need us. Don't forget about Etched in Stone and Etched in Stone for Kids. Get on that page. I'm averaging now usually eight people a day we're welcoming or more or every other day. It's incredible the growth of that page. I can't believe it. It is so great to see. Such community, man. Such community. It's just I I couldn't be happier the way things are going. Never satisfied, but I've worked very, very hard with so many people for almost five years now. Um, you know, you look at our blog with Steve Gardner, John McKean, so many people write for just excellent, excellent articles. Um, same way with the podcast, same way with the Etched and Etched in Stone for Kids. It's just dynamite stuff to be creating and getting better and better with. I thank everybody, too, for coming in. It's it's a great thing. Before um, – oh, um, let me think now. Who do I want here? Uh, Les Brown. You all have greatness in you. We take it two steps further. We believe in you, and we got your back. And before I sign off with Charlie, you're all winners, you're all champions, and you're all unstoppable. Let's stick to that script. As I'm telling you right now, you will go places when you talk to yourself like that. Charlie, I like I said, it, it's by far the best show, I and we've done some killers. But with the uh, gathering coming up, I just felt it was time we um, let everybody know a little about a little bit about the Ard Blair Stones and the origin of it. I know we've done a lot of bits and pieces, but now people have. 
the whole enchilada so they can chew on the whole thing, digest it, and listen to it a hundred times more. So, Charlie, thanks for being on, brother. It was a pleasure, Eric. And, uh, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat about about the Arbless Stones. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I enjoyed doing it. Thank you. You're welcome. That's what we're here for, man. We want to push things like this. These are, these are very important to not only us, but to, to people out there that maybe have never even touched anything like that. Never even had an idea or a dream. You don't know, Charlie. Like I say, you never know. Like I say, five words can change your life. So I thank you for being on. Before I sign off, though, remember this. You all have something to contribute, to give to the world. That's what it's asking you, but it's all right to ask the universe for stuff, too. But go out and do something this weekend, and from this day on, that is above and beyond anything you've ever thought of. And I'm telling you right now, you will achieve it. So, have a great weekend. And for Charlie Oliphant, this is Eric Fiorello. We will talk to you next month, because we'll hear everything about the gathering and what happened with the Ardblair Stones. And we'll get a big, big show on that, and we'll let everybody know what the deal was. And I'm sure Charlie will have plenty of insights, and we'll go from there. So, everyone, like I said, for Charlie Oliphant, this is Eric Fiorello. Have a great weekend, and go out and kick the world right in the ass tonight and tomorrow and the rest of your life. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Motivation and Muscle, the podcast that connected your brain to your brawn. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.